Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 40 Guard Live. Today, we talk about social engineering and who could be a better co-host than Omar Lakhani. Omar, it has been a while. What are you up to? Man, uh, you know, I, I love social engineering. Uh, I'm always, uh, always uh, in the art of deception, as we say, but, uh, uh, you know, famous term from Kevin, uh, Kevin Midnick. But um, no, I'm, I'm up to a lot of things as we all are in cybersecurity, you know, with social engineering, AI, ransomware, and keeping busy in, uh, in uh, every month, it seems like in 2023. Yeah, and everything you just mentioned kind of ties in together. And I want to make this a cool podcast about social engineering. So let's focus a little bit about APT groups versus cyber criminals when it comes to social engineering. Let's talk about some recent hacks, the impact on employees with all the social engineering training, but also how defenders sometimes social engineer the offenders on darknet to gain some information. So I think we have quite some interesting topics to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it used to be a couple of years ago, uh, social engineering was, you know, essentially phishing emails, right? Hey, you won something. And it was something as simple as that. And then I remember it started getting a little more interesting where people, uh, especially attackers were leaving like USB sticks in parking lots and hoping people would, uh, you know, you know, grab them, uh, grab them. In, in fact, uh, uh, Stuxnet, right? The most famous OT attack. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's rumors that that may have been like a, you know a social engineering attack, where you know uh, engineers inside working inside that nuclear power plant were given uh, USB sticks to uh, take into uh, you know take into the power plant to with malware on it. Maybe they were deceived, thinking it, it was something else. Um, a lot of people think they were just bribed as well, so that could be something else as well. But that could be considered a type of social engineering. But but today it's it's very different, as you know, you know, with with deep fakes, uh, with AI, uh, like creating your uh, social engineering toolkits with embedded uh, attacks and malware within social engineering. So it's it's a lot more fun if you want to get into social engineering. Yeah. And, and social engineering has so many different aspects. As you say, it's not just phishing. To me, actually, I got into hacking back in the days because of magic. And when I look at magic and social engineering, I actually see a lot of overlap. For example, in magic, with like all these kind of illusion where in social engineering, it's a lot about misdirection. It's about manipulation. It's about deception. It's a sleight of hand, trust building. So you have a lot of different components here. And I think for social engineering, the human element is actually very important because the more convincing you are, the more likely you will succeed. And this kind of brings me to the first topic, because if we look at the two main attackers usually have the very, very sophisticated one, like the APT groups, and then, but you also have cyber criminals. So in your opinion, what kind of different differences do they have regarding social engineering attacks or do they pretty much do the same things? Well, I think I think social engineering is getting um, so easy to do, especially some of the more advanced social engineering. The lines are definitely definitely blurring. Uh, so that's that's one thing. Um, I love how you mentioned sleight of hand because a lot of the attacks that we've seen recently that, that you know that I've actually been a part of investigating. Um, and let me make sure I say investigating, not not just being part of, uh, but uh, but a lot of ones that I'm investigating. You know, it's it's funny how it happens. It's usually it happens like on a uh, on a webinar or something like a Zoom 
Zoom call or something like that where someone's already distracted, they're not paying attention. I mean, how many times have we been on these uh, remote webinars where we're trying to multitask and then they get something, right? They get an email and they click on it and they're already distracted. Social engineers are already uh, kind of using emotion to uh, solicit that that quick, uh, you know, that that quick uh, click. Essentially, it's funny. I usually find out more about what's happening on the news by looking at phishing attacks. Sometimes when I don't have a chance to look at the news, because social engineers are are on top of that. They understand that hey, that's going to solicit emotion, uh, whatever hot topic or maybe controversial topic that's happening. But uh, specifically, um, you know, when you said cyber criminal groups, we have to like look at intent. Their intent is essentially to make money as quickly as possible, while APT groups are trying to kind of go under the radar, uh, trying to stay in systems, trying to uh, like explore systems and really not reveal who they are. So in, so the techniques may be similar sometimes, but the intent is definitely not. Yeah, and I, I think the APT groups also, as you say, they sometimes play a little bit more of a long game. So. They are happy to put down a lot of different lures, which might be picked up over weeks, if not even months. Uh, to some degree, they even use the human element to get hired for certain positions. But, you know, just in preparation for, for today, a couple of minutes ago, I got an email about the latest conference I was presenting in London. And there was an email coming in as uh, from someone from the organizing team saying, thank you for pre presenting. Um, can you give me your personal address to send you a small token appreciation that actually kept me thinking of wait it's actually not that difficult to find out who's speaking and what kind of conferences and pretend you're someone from the organizing team to find out someone's personal address so their timing and precision is so important and i think this again is something which we have seen also in a lot of hacks not um, just this year when we talk about for example bypassing 2fa solutions where it's about either social engineering attacks from a just DDoSing the, the multi-factor token or pretending you're part of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the technical team and finding employees on, on LinkedIn who work in HR and sending them an email, hey, I locked myself out for a specific system. Can you please reset my passwords? So I think the timing and precision makes a key role when we talk about these kind of attacks. Absolutely. Uh, you, you reminded me years ago, uh, it, it actually, actually before my Fortinet days, I was actually doing a, uh, a pen test and I had a social engineering app, app component to that. And we were trying to essentially get into a system. We, we ended up sending something somewhat like an iPad or uh, it, was a, it was a tablet to uh, one of the employees. And we just said, hey, congratulations. You've done such a great job. Here's a gift for, gift for you. It has some applications already in there. And within minutes, the employee is putting in confidential information, uh, their passwords to sales force their VPN passwords, their uh, AD username and password just to get it set up. And that's all being like basically sent back to us. Um, what's funny is after after the attack, uh, when we were when we we're debriefing the customer, we asked the employee like, hey, is it normal? Like has have you has anyone ever gotten like an iPad before as a gift? Uh, and he's like, no. And, I, and we were like, well, why didn't you report it? And he's like, well, actually, I've been doing a pretty terrible job. So I thought if I reported it, they would actually take the iPad away from me. So uh, that that's why I didn't tell anyone. But uh, it was a great uh, it was a great social engineering uh, aspect. And you have to be careful about gifts because, uh, uh, you know, remember, uh, remember the Trojan horse story uh, with uh, uh, the Greeks and uh, and uh, the Trojans, of course. And that's that's exactly what that attack is, is it's the social engineering Trojan horse. It, it's a really nice example. Uh, my favorite one is you pretend to be a firefighter 
and you, you you gear up in the full dress, you go to the building, to the receptionist and say, hey, I got a call, there's fire in your data center. I don't think there are many people who will not let you in without um, asking too many questions because it seems very time sensitive. So these guys, they always think out of the box and they come up with new ideas, which makes them very often, unfortunately, very successful. Yeah, absolutely. So what let's talk about a little bit the reverse perspective, because I know that a lot of researchers as well have different kind of personas when they spend time on darknet forums, because there are threat actors out there either selling information or providing information and sharing and trading that kind of stuff. So there's this inside joke that in all of these darknet forums or platforms board sometimes it's just different kind of law enforcement agencies with different kind of personas but i think it's it's not something to underestimate how much information we actually get out as well sometimes pretending to be interested in buying specific information and and using that to our advantage as well do you have any experience with that or some interesting stories to share yeah, you know, you know, it's it's funny. Like some some people mention very popular like hacker forums, and I always say if you've heard of if you've actually heard of the forum or like if uh, the general public's heard of the forum, probably the only one you're talking to is other security researchers or law enforcement. So there's probably not really any hackers on there. But uh, so it's funny that uh, you brought that up. But um, in cybersecurity, from a research standpoint, we we call uh, research accounts sock puppets, right? Uh, if you uh, uh, think about it, that was like the old days when people actually. You took like a sock that you had on your on your foot and put little eyes and little uh, and drew on it and did a little show for kids. That's what a sock puppet was. I I don't have it. I don't really know how it became a cybersecurity term, but but uh, a sock pu puppet in cybersecurity is when you create a fake social engineering account, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, um, X, uh, you know, TikTok, whatever you need. But you create this whole persona around uh, around a fake account and you start using that. You start aging that account. You start using that and you make sure. Um, you know, it's on these forums and you interact with people. And uh, a lot of cybersecurity professionals do that. And there's a there's a number of reasons, even if you're not interactive, right? Even if you're not engaging directly with an attacker, you don't know, you don't want to put yourself in danger. You don't want to actually uh, keep yourself liable. So uh, you don't want to make yourself a target, you know, that's the most common reason to do that. And so it's a very, very common to do. Most cybersecurity researchers that are looking into these uh, attacker attack forums or hacker forums or private Telegram, WhatsApp group, wherever the hackers may be, uh, they will usually have these, these fake accounts, uh, fake phone numbers or burner phone numbers uh, that are not related to them just to protect their identity. And uh, like I said, it's not uncommon to have 20, you know, 20, 30 of those sometimes. Interesting. I want to get back to one point you mentioned earlier where the employee who received the iPad didn't report it because I think one topic which we don't talk enough about is the impact on employees who get social engineered because not everyone has a thick skin, not everyone takes it as easy. And, and just when we think about training, so awareness, internal training with some of these social engineering tests that it has an impact on employees, whether to some degree, some of them get fed up, it's just too much, where others they feel personally attacked because they fell for it. And I think this is sometimes a small path to walk on. It's a little bit of a double-edged way where we need to make sure it's not too much that to a certain degree, people just don't care about it anymore. But also on the other hand, that it still stays effective. What, what, is, what is your thought about, or what is your recommendations for decision makers out there who roll out these kind of trainings, but also for the people on the receiving end, how they should um, cooperate with these kind of 
awareness trainings when it comes to social engineering? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we we're starting to see a lot of uh, security awareness training uh, that that's phishing attacks, right? And uh, you know, I asked a lot of organizations, "What do you guys do for uh, security awareness?" And like, we do we do phishing attacks, and that's that's probably the wrong way of doing that, especially if you're if you're punishing your employees, um, you know, against that. Um, uh, you know, the the right way I think to do it is to have a security awareness program. I have uh, clients that actually have like security awareness day once a month, and uh, you know, they they bring out ice cream truck and uh, they have little like tips uh, uh, and little mouse pads they they handle and yes fishing is part of it as well but 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 at the same time uh, the employees don't feel like they're punished it's not a game it's i think sometimes it's it's easy to get our competitive side out there and see like hey how many users can we get in our in our phishing email tests i see that a lot with uh, clients uh, doing that and um i wouldn't recommend that like i said you want your users to be partners um i have another client that actually has a whole security awareness program they have multiple events they do phishing and one of the things they said it, say is like hey our, our phishing tests don't work anymore because every time we do that um you know our employees are basically yelling and telling everyone hey uh it sending out a phishing test and I was like, that's exactly what you want because, like, like they're not going to know the difference between your test or, or a, you know, an attack, and they're going to still be telling everyone. And uh, so, uh, so I think security awareness is extremely important. Um, what I love, uh, you know, for those of you, those that don't know, training.fortinet.com, we have a lot of training out there. And level one for us is just security awareness. I've had like my mom go through that. I've had my cousins go through that, nieces, and and it's great. Now, now everyone on this call should be going way above level one, okay? But but level one is is a pretty good security awareness, uh, you know, just uh, track out there, and uh, and just having that in in the mindset, be a little, you know, be a little cautious that that you know, in this day and age, it's very easy for attackers to to get you, right? And and they're doing more and more sophisticated things. Um, I had a client the other day that got a phishing email, a business email compromise, essentially saying something like, "Please send lots and lots of money to this account." Right. And you would think, okay, well, why would he do that? Well, he got a follow up phone call from the person sending sending that uh, email and it was a deep fake voice. So the person sending it actually sounded like the email. Right. So it, it, they have now two two reinforcement points. So like, okay, I got this email sounded a little weird, uh, but it was a phishing attack. And then they had enough information in the email. Plus, they get a follow up call. And it was funny because the follow-up call said, hey, the email I sent you, I know it looks like a phishing attack, but trust me, this is real. This is why I'm following up with the call. Yeah, a lot of reverse psychology here, but I think all of this highlights very well as well that social engineering is one toolkit which the attackers use, and it's mainly pretty much in all cases used to establish some sort of initial access, whether it is via getting someone's usernames and password or clicking on a link and download some remote access trojans on someone's computer. But the whole purpose of social engineering is, I would say, 99% of all the cases getting access to a specific system. Now, just achieving that from an attacker point of view should not give the attacker the opportunity to just take over the full infrastructure, deploy ransomware, steal sensitive information, etc. So. It's about initial access. We need to protect that. But even for some reason, if they're successful in doing so, we still talk about defense in depth. So many different security layers to have proper segmentation, permission level. So even if this part fails, we don't fail through the whole chain. Yeah, no, I, I like I like that a lot. Uh, expect 
expect uh you know you, you, you let's say you plan for failure right uh, that's everyone should t- do that um and, you know unfortunately the human operating system is probably the weakest uh, link in in a cybersecurity strategy so you have to plan around that um and then what happens like i said what happens if you if you do fail uh if uh initial access does happen at that point and you know social engineering can help in that case as well we're starting to see a new strategy in social engineering from a defense side especially with honeypots and what we call uh, deception or uh, lore uh, networking, right? Uh, where you kind of create these honeypots or uh, these, uh, you know, these deception networks uh, in, in secure segments. What, what I like about honeypots is that it's, it's essentially there's no guessing in between, right? If you have uh, if you have someone hitting your honeypot, it's very binary. It, they've hit the honeypot. You don't have to really guess that they they haven't. They've done that. Maybe, maybe you need to guess what they're doing. Maybe there's some research out there, but but it's very it's just on or off. Um, I have a customer that actually has uh, honeypots in a very uh, in a very clever way. They're using our product called Forty Deceptor, and I know it's starting that's starting to sound like an advertisement, but this is really really cool. What they did is they have very secure segments that don't have access to the internet. So no, and and then they don't advertise these segments, and they put uh, Forty Deceptor in this segment. So no one should be hitting that. But they have services running, but no one should be hitting that because it's not being advertised in DNS or anywhere else. And um, what happened? What, what happened is they actually got alerts like hey this is being scanned or like one of the services has ssh someone's trying to log in they're like what's going on because no one should be doing that on this network um it doesn't have uh it doesn't have internet access so no one should be coming in from the internet and it's a very secure segment it's very controlled segment and they figured out really fast that they basically had an insider threat and and in this case it was someone that actually had compromised an internal uh, another segment, another internal uh, system, and then was basically using that to pivot to their secure segment. And uh, they were easily able to tell that they got they got that early warning detection system. That's exactly what they intended to do. And it was a type of social engineering. They were able to kind of start start seeing the methods the attacker was uh, was deploying. I, I love the story, and I think you and I we should do a follow up podcast on this one where we talk about all the automation and all these tools available for once someone is in our network to actually detect them because protection is is here and detection is sometimes even more important um, to really understand what is happening in our networks. But if we do this right now, we could uh, talk on for the next uh, five hours. So I think it's a good time to wrap up for this one, talk about social engineering and then follow up with another podcast where we go a little bit more in depth about what can you do about specific threat actors potentially being in your network. What do you think about that? Hey, sounds like fun. Amor, it's always good to have you. I wish you a wonderful rest of the day. I know you got up very early for me. It's late here in Singapore, but next time we do it reverse, I promise. All right, sounds good. Right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining in. If you have any other questions, as Amor mentioned, please feel free to go to training.40net.com. We have amazing resources there, and otherwise, get in touch with us. Thank you so much, and see you next.